G'day, you mob, and welcome to another episode of The Goss. This is where I sit down with my old man, my dad, every single week, and we chat about news and current affairs, things that are going on in Australia, and it is called The Goss, remember, because What's The Goss is short for What's The Gossip, meaning What's The News, right? What new things do you have to tell me, whether about the world or about you? What's the goss, right? Give me the goss. So, today, guys, we talk all about coronavirus, you know, what's going on in China at the moment with this new severe flu virus that's kind of like SARS or MERS that sort of came about in the 2000s and 2010s. Uh, We also talk about political corruption in Australia. We dip into that a little bit with the sports money allocation scandal that's currently gripping the Liberal Party in Australia. We also talk about freedom of speech versus your role when you have to work, right? Because there are a few celebrities in the sporting world who are incredibly religious but have very conservative views that contradict what most Australians think. So, anyway, there's loads of content in this episode. Guys, don't forget, if you want the full episode, you will need to be a member of the Premium Podcast or the Academy, which you can sign up for at www.aussieenglish.com.au. I hope to see you there so that you can enjoy the full episodes. But aside from that, let's get into today's episode. Dad, smack the kookaburra and let's get going. (laughs) Right, Dad. Welcome to episode four of the Goss. Hey, Pete. Good to be back. <laughs> What's the Goss? The Goss is it's bloody hot outside. Yeah, forty-one degrees. It's oh going to be God. hotter tomorrow. It's bloody hot inside. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kel almost died. She went to the dentist and decided to walk it because I had to take care of um, Noah while he was sleeping. So that was a poor choice. <laughs> <laughs> poor thing. Anyway, so how's how's the week been, Dad? What's what's been going on? What is the goss? What's your goss? Uh, my goss isn't much, really. It's just been uh, watching a bit of tennis, doing a bit of work. I was teaching last night. There's um, not much else going on other than um, the coronavirus seems to be the thing that's, um, even though it's not happening in Australia much, there's a few people that seem to have been infected, but uh, yep. it's been the, the headlines throughout the week. Yeah, I haven't seen much else on, right? There's been... Pretty much just that in the news constantly, and then just political stuff, which we sort of try and avoid because it's pretty boring uh, yeah, most of the yeah, time. Well, it's the same political story that just won't go away. <laughs> the yeah. sports funding rot just won't go away, but uh, that's probably not terribly interesting. Would well, you want uh, to mention that business. quickly, just so that people know what it is when you say sports uh, funding yeah, rot? Well, uh, last year there was a um, $100 million grant um, created by the federal government and um, smaller sporting bodies, so not the major sporting clubs and associations, but smaller bodies, could apply um, to the uh, Department of Sport to uh, to get grants for capital works uh, to improve the uh, the sporting facilities for their club. And it appears that um, this was uh, this was occurring at the same time that we were leading up to a federal election, and it appears that there were a lot of those grants given out to uh, sporting clubs in 
uh, seats that uh, were either uh, Liberal National Party, the the current government, and then the government that won the election, mm-hmm. um, uh, or were very close. And so it was, you know, there's a lot of accusations of pork barrelling, and so it's been backwards and forwards a lot around that. What do you mean when you say pork barrelling? Pork barrelling, as in um, funding projects that will increase the likelihood of people voting for you at the next election. Yeah. It seemed and- very dodgy, right? And I, I was surprised. I sort of say this to Kel because we're always talking about Brazil and the sort of corruption that um, happens in Brazil politically. And, you know, she's moved here. She's lived here for four, almost five years. And I'm like, there's still corruption here. It's just a sort of different kind. It's not as overt and it's it's much more subtle. Yeah, look, the corruption here is is political rather than personal. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of countries in the world that can be accused of political corruption. But in many cases, they are where politicians are lining their own pockets. They're actually taking money for themselves. Yeah. In this case, the accusation was that they were... They were granting um, government money to organisations in areas that were more likely to vote for them. And who was it? Which was it? The sporting body or something was the the corporation or the group? Sports res- Australia, which is the the body that would ultimately oversee these, was were being instructed on how to give the grants out. Yeah, because they the had a set who- of criteria that you had to uh, apply under, and then mm-hmm. they were uh, weighting the applications um, yep. and rating them according to those criteria. And it's been demonstrated that a lot of people got grants that were ranked quite low um, and people that were ranked higher were not given grants. Yep. And it fun- funnily enough, a lot of the people who weren't given grants were in safe Labor seats who were the opposition. And didn't she give a bunch of money to one of the clubs that she attends? Yeah, that she was a member of. Now, mind you, she'd only been a member of it for four days, but um, yep. you know, she had joined the club. And then, funnily enough, the club gets money a week later. <laughs> it's still just astonishing for me, that sort of stuff happening, because you're kind of like, how do you not see that this is going to come out? This is going to see the light of day eventually and your career's over. Oh, you yeah. Know, and or- look, it's one of those classic things, I think, where clearly governments are responsible for granting the money. But once a $100 million grant had been handed over to Sports Australia, um, they were the ones who then managed the applications. They should have been the ones who were granting the money. Yep. So you hand it over to the various government departments to do the administration of it, which means that you can't be accused of bias. Um, yeah. So anyway... Yeah, that's a, so it's a that, weird one, but it, it's one of those ones where it just won't go away. Every day there's a new headline of somebody saying, oh, and you think that's bad. <laughs> so, aside from that, how was the tennis? I think in the last episode you were telling us you were off to the tennis. There's yeah, some- we went. It was it was really good. Um, I, I love tennis, as you know. As a, mm. you know. I used to play a lot and I love watching it. Um, but as an event, it's just a really good event to go to. The facilities there are so good for um, for players and visitors and officials and everybody. It's um, just a great place to go. Uh, we had seats in the second arena there, not the main Rod Laver arena. Who um, was playing that night in Rod Laver? Oh, in Rod Laver, I can't remember now. Um, uh it's sort of all a blur. Yeah, a week later you forget <laughs> who was playing because I've watched true, a lot of games on true. television and stuff since. But uh, yeah, and it's a great event to go to. Um, there's lots of people there, um, but it's the facility now is big enough uh, to cope with seventy five, eighty thousand people turning up. 
And some of the news there, Ash Barty um, got into the semi-finals, right? Yeah, she lost this afternoon. She did, but yeah. she was the first woman to do so in the last first 20, Australian 30 years. First Australian woman. Um, yeah, since last, 1984 or something. Something like that. And the last Australian woman to win the Australian Open was 1978. Yeah. Uh, and what was the other controversy there with, I think, giving, recognising or putting someone in the Hall of Fame, that woman, I've forgotten her name. Yeah, Margaret Court, who's Margaret the, Court. who's the, uh, the second arena, the Wilmery, and she was... Um, Arguably uh, the equivalent, the female equivalent of Rod Lavery in that you know, arguably the best female tennis player. Certainly 50 years ago she was. Yep. Um, and this was the, this year is the 50th anniversary of her Grand Slam, which is winning the four major tournaments in the same year. Yep. And so this is the 50th anniversary of that. And so they were going to recognise that, which is perfectly reasonable. Uh, but she's had that arena named after her for a number of years now. Uh, but she's also... Um, fundamentally religious and she's been quite outspoken she's on, a pastor in a church she is she? yeah pentecostal church and yeah. um, she's been quite outspoken on uh gay marriage and transsexuality and homosexuality and and uh, there's those... a lot of people that are saying now that well ignoring her sporting prowess yeah. and supporting success why would we honor somebody um, who is just out of step with modern day thinking well, uh, with naming a building after her it's, it's difficult isn't it because it's one of those things where you kind of like you should have permission to be a fruit loop in our society yes, yes. and especially when your fruit loopiness <laughs> isn't directly related to the thing for which you're being honored yes i can kind of see where it's kind of like i don't care what your opinion is of eating animals if I'm trying to award you something because you were an amazing sports star. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like, I understand she may have views that a lot of people, including you and I, disagree with, but mm. I can also see that they're not really related to what she did 50 years ago as a tennis player. Then, no, exactly. You know, who, who cares what her, her favourite colour is or, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's, it's, it is a hard one. I, yeah. I fall along the lines of saying that anybody has the right to any opinion they like about something. Yeah, for sure. But as soon as they make that public, then they are publicly accountable for it. Yeah. And if, you, if we as a society are going to name buildings, not just put up a monument, putting up a monument to somebody is saying, is celebrating somebody's success for the career that they had. Um, but if we're going to name a building after them, that goes on forever. And in 20 or 30 years' time, people are going to go, oh, Margaret Court, wasn't she that woman that was anti-gay? Yeah. <laughs> That's because that will be the thing that will pop up when people yeah. do whatever the equivalent of an internet search will be in 20 years' time. Well, as a segue there, this kind of dovetails pretty smoothly with what happened in the rugby this mm. past year, right? Do you want to talk about that and give a brief recap? Uh, or a nutshell, yeah, review nutshell review of what um, happened with the nut job. The nut job, the yeah. Well, Israel Folau, who is one of Australia's great uh, rugby union and rugby league players, um, but again, fundamental Christian, yep. and he has come out saying uh, he was anti-gay marriage. He and was this was on Twitter, right? He was and he was making statements saying that uh, anybody who's gay is going to go to hell, um, and so on and so on and so on. The ironic and thing there, sorry to interrupt you, was that um, the part of the Bible where he's getting those quotes, you know, condemning homosexuality, also condemn having tattoos. They do. And, and eating certain food. The quote that he made was, was actually a misquote because he was cherry-picking out of two separate parts yeah. of the Bible and putting them together, which made them sound like, you know, putting the two bits out of context together was not what the original intention of those passengers were. But 
That aside, uh, and again, it's one of those arguments of, you know, he's entitled to his opinion sure. and he's entitled to make his opinion public. And that's one of those um, difficult things for you and I, where obviously we're pretty staunch atheists, if you guys don't already know. We have no problem, though, with people like Folau having those opinions. No, uh, you're, you're nor more than having him say it. Yeah, exactly. Um, however, he was uh, in breach of his contract with Rugby yeah. Australia because they have a um, an inclusive policy yeah. uh, where they um, actively promote the inclusion of minorities, whatever those minorities are. And it's uh, he was a serial offender. He had done it before and he'd yeah. been warned. And so it wasn't that he wasn't sacked for what he said. He was sacked for the fact that he said it yeah. <laughs> and that he was told not to. So he was actually sacked for breach of contract. Uh, which is really interesting. It is very weird, though, how we had sort of these two sides of Australia coming sort of against one another, right? You know, saying he should be allowed to say whatever he wants. But it's kind of like if you had someone stand up there and say, I think all Muslims are going to burn in hell, or if you're an Indigenous person, you know, you're not human or something like that, we would have a completely different reaction to that than him saying something about Christianity and, and condemning homosexuals. Yeah, exactly. And look, the irony of that is he um, he ended up being sacked. He took them to court. There was a settlement out of court for what, a lot of money. What was he on per year, though? Because this is why it was such a big deal, right? He was on millions of dollars he a year. He was on millions of dollars a year. Yeah. And he got, Under a contract for several yes, years. And he got millions of dollars as a payout yeah. as part of that settlement. The irony now is that he has been offered a job by a French rugby league club, <laughs> and he has written a clause into his contract that he will not say anything like that, mm-hmm. and he's agreed to it. Yeah. So, you've got to ask, where are his principles? Are his principles for his religious belief or are his principles for his bank account? I think they're because for his bank he, Exactly right. <laughs> and so, that's part of the problem. And just as a little aside to that, and this has got nothing to do with Australia or anything else, but... Um, that French club that he has joined is in a um, an international league, uh, rugby league, that runs in Europe. And this, I think the second or third match that he is likely to play in will be against Wigan uh, Rugby League Club. And they have announced that that, that match will be their uh, gay pride match mm. <laughs> where they will celebrate diversity. Uh, so they're basically <sighs> saying to him, yeah. you know, you can do and say what you like, but we're going to make this as difficult as possible if for you, you. If you really want that money, you're going to have to work for yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> and, yeah. Look, and uh, look, it's a shame because he is such a good sports person. Yeah. And it's a shame that he has. Uh, he is. He will be remembered for his religious beliefs. Yeah. Which is what he intended. <laughs> Um, but he hasn't had to suffer the consequences of being in breach of contract. The person I feel most sorry for, I think, in all of this, other than the people who he has insulted, um, you know, anybody who is part of the LGBTIQI yeah. community was clearly insulted and worse than insulted. Um, they were condemned by him. Um, but the person closest to him, his wife, has effectively lost her job um, yeah. because not she wasn't fired because yeah. of it, but it was made perfectly obvious to her that it was going to be very difficult for her to continue her sporting career and she's an international sports person as well so what was she famous for she's a netballer she's a new zealand netballer and plays not only for new zealand but plays in the australian new zealand uh, netball championship i think she's going to be laughing all the way to the bank oh yeah i don't think she's going to be short of a dollar but yeah uh, that was the most annoying thing i think that rugby australia had such a strong stance when he came out with those bigoted tweets and remarks publicly and just said, mm-hmm. you're fired, you know, we, we, we can't have you 
saying those sorts of things. You, you can work for us, but you can't say those sorts of things. You, you choose, right? But then they caved in and ended up just paying him out yeah. because they knew that they would be up for it potentially losing a lot more. It would cost them more in legal fees to, to win court. the case, and they may not have won it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. and that was one of those things where you're like, again, stand by your principles and mm. follow it through. Yeah. Because it's- Look, it's it just a- badly handled everywhere. But yeah. So. Anyway, all right. Um, moving on then to the coronavirus. Yes, viruses. And apologies to all those virologists and um, microbial geneticists out there for, <laughs> uh, for my pizza geneticist. He may well have thought, but he's a population geneticist. Yeah, so, I look at rats. Uh, I don't for, look at viruses. Any, any of the things that we say now yeah. are going to be opinions rather than scientific facts. I pretty much crammed for this episode looking up a <laughs> heap of information about viruses and I just realise just how complex the topic is. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, you've got DNA viruses, ANR vi- viruses, you've got all sorts of different sizes it's, it's mm. cra- and how they interact. I mean, I don't even know where to really start with this. But no, I haven't- Well, look, coronaviruses are like the common cold is yeah. caused by a multiple, you know, multiple viruses, but one group of viruses are coronaviruses. So, well, and that's- this particular brand uh, it's hardly mm. called it a species it's uh, arguable as to whether you call it a species or not but this particular type of virus has um evolved mutated and evolved very recently yeah uh, but it has evolved from a group of viruses that most people in the world um are immune to or just have very minor effects by them well the um, very first the very first like as I, I was looking into what a coronavirus is i hadn't heard of it before and they're rna viruses as opposed to dna viruses yeah, which makes them small yeah and they're them- from Corona viridae, which just viridae is just the plural for Latin, I think, for um, virus, Latin or Greek. Because um, I was looking at why corona, and it yeah. means the term comes from corona meaning crown. And when you see a picture of this virus, it looks like it has all these protein things. Yeah, because they have these little protein crown. clumps around them over yeah. the surface. But obviously, when you look at a um, an electron micrograph, that is yeah. a photograph taken through an electron microscope. Yeah. Um, they, you're looking at a two-dimensional yeah. plane through that 3D, yeah. and so those little protein packages that are sitting around the surface look like a ring around them. Yeah. So, the first coronaviruses were the, the common cold, which was yeah. discovered in 1960s. The 1960s, there were two of those. And then we have SARS. Well, SARS and MERS which came is, in the 2000s yeah. and, two, and 2012, I think, MERS was. 2000, oh, 2003, was, I think SARS was, was discovered. Yeah, but the big SARS outbreak, I think, was 2001 too. Yeah. Uh, and then MERS was another one of those. And they, they're just mutations from common-ish coronaviruses. Yeah, that have crossed over from animals, though, I think. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the most recent one in the 2019 Wuhan virus... Um, has likely come from, they thought originally, I think on January the 1st, they thought it was a seafood wholesale wholesale market because I think Mm. they had a whole bunch of people who had been to that market get sick. But now more recently from some of the articles I was reading, it seems like it could have come from either eating bats or eating snakes, which had eaten bats. Yes. um, Whether at that market or elsewhere. Yeah, and certainly the study that I read that was released, I think yesterday, uh, was the one that was talking about the association with bats. In that the the viruses that have been uh, the coronaviruses that have been found in bats are most closely related to this virus, um, and not related to viruses that have come from other animals directly. So yeah. it is most most likely that it has evolved from them. So I'll go through a timeline, I guess, of what's been going on. It was like December the twelfth, first case detected. Only on the thirty first was it reported. Um, 
The initial source was unknown, potentially from bats and snakes. On January the 1st, that seafood wholesale market was shut down and looked at, and they'd been selling something like 112 exotic animals, including Mm. live koalas. They'd been selling crocodiles, salamanders, peacocks, wolf cubs, hedgehogs, civets, I think foxes, dogs, all kinds of weird animals. This is not as pets. No, to eat. (laughs) Yeah, to eat, which is sort of part of the problem that we have humans, I think, sort of to enter in on before I finish this off. Um... I was watching a few things on like Ebola and HIV and it's because they think that humans are encroaching more and more and more on more and more wildlife mm. um, that these viruses are sort of coming out because we're coming into contact with things that previously we didn't come into contact because they were, you know, deep in the rainforest or just not on the on the plate, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So, January 7th, Chinese authorities confirmed that it was a new virus and they named it with 44 cases. On January 9th, they had the first death. January 12th, it was sequenced and shared with the world. January 13th, the virus got to Thailand. January 15th, Japan, Taiwan, South Korea and the United States. January the 20th, it was human-to-human transmission confirmed with almost 300 cases. Um, January 21st, we had 314 cases with six deaths. January the 22nd, 440 cases, 17 deaths, and it got to Hong Kong, Macau, North Korea, closed its borders. And then I guess, you know, you sort of see the pattern, but it was just more and more cases, more and more deaths up to today, where I think we have 132 deaths and more than 6,000 cases. Mm. Which, interestingly, when I looked at the fatality of that, right, 132 divided by 6,000, it's only 2.2% much less virulent than MERS or SARS. Yeah. uh, But it appears to be more easily contagious. Yeah. It's more contagious. So, more people are getting it That was the big thing that they found out, right, that it's um, transmissible during its incubation stage, so before symptoms Mm. um, erupt and are expressed. But um, I was watching one video- by this Egyptian guy in the US. I've forgotten his... Where's his channel here? It was a, it was a funny name for his channel. Let me find it. Um, Medicosis Perfectionalis. And he said, prevention is better than cure, especially when there's no cure. Yes. And, <laughs> it's um, a fair call. <laughs> <laughs> but he was saying, to put it in perspective, over the last month, a million people have died from heart disease, mm-hmm. 90,000 in car accidents, car accidents, 50,000 in um, from HIV, 38,000 from just influenza, which yeah. is another coronavirus, yeah. and 132 from the coronavirus. Yeah. And look, that's I think that's the, the challenge that we have is that whenever there's a new virus discovered and it is contagious and potentially fatal, then rightly so, there's a, a sort of worldwide attempt to firstly understand it, identify it, um, and then try and prevent it. But- we also don't want to shut the world down in a major panic yeah. when we also have things like, as you say, influenza. Uh, 10 to 20 times the number of people in the same period of time have died from influenza around the world. Um, and we've known about influenza for 100 years. <laughs> and so, it's- so, why do you think it is that people freak out the way that they do when there's something like this that emerges, which is so clearly not as dangerous as other things that we look at as benign, right? Mm. It's kind of like being terrified of dying from snake bite when pet dogs kill more people. Yeah. But you would never be too afraid to pat your dog. Yes. But if you see a snake, you'd run screaming. Mm. Look, I think it's the things that we are unfamiliar with and also the things that we can't control. There is, there's very little that the average person thinks they can do to prevent them getting a disease like 
coronavirus or SARS or MERS or influenza. Um, the reality is that for influenza, if everybody in the world got vaccinated, then we would have probably 1% of the number of people that suffer from it suffering from it. There are still going to be mutations and there's still going to be evolution of those influenza viruses that are not going to be able to be vaccinated for. But if we got vaccines for them, and we do every year, we have new vaccines for new strains of influenza. Um, at the moment, there is no vaccine for a recently uh, evolved virus like the new coronavirus. Uh, but so that's one thing. The second thing is wash your hands. Like, mm. you know, that's well, the easiest way of preventing those things is because these are airborne viruses. So either breathing it in directly, which is actually quite difficult to do mm. <laughs> um, unless you're right next to somebody who is sneezing and coughing, but picking up viruses from other surfaces or somebody sneezes near you and um, you pick it up on your hands, you don't wash your hands uh, for half an hour and then you're rubbing your eyes, you're putting food in your mouth, you're doing all of those sort of things. Um, just washing your hands with warm, so warm soapy water frequently, particularly if yeah. you have been around people who have those. And if you've got it, Make sure you don't go out and hear other people. I think it's interesting that it sort of happened as a perfect storm, right? Because you had this occur right at the time in Hubei, Wuhan province, uh, Hubei province in Wuhan during, you know, Chinese New Year as it was approaching, yeah. where you have hundreds of millions of, hundreds of people. Hundreds of thousands of people out in around. the feast in that city. Yeah, know? eating so, off the same plates and yeah. everything too. So, it's almost like, yeah, the perfect storm. Yeah, for but virus yeah, like that ironically for those things where we do have it. G'day, mate. That was the first half of this episode of The Goss. If you would like to continue watching or continue listening to this episode, make sure that you sign up for the premium podcast or academy memberships at aussieenglish.com.au where you will get full access to these entire episodes of this series and much, much more. You can go check that out using the links below or just go to aussieenglish.com.au. Once again, Thank you so much for joining me, mate, and I will see you next time. Peace.